Father, we, we pray again that you would light a fire within our hearts today so that we would be captivated with this beautiful reality of your fatherhood and, and also that we would then see why you have called us to honour our father and mother as it is fitting in the Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are almost halfway through the Ten Commandments now, so we're taking this week by week. And then once we get to the end of this, we will start going theme by theme through Deuteronomy for however long it takes us. Uh, And we're now at sort of the socially oriented commands. We've had four sort of vertical commands. This is how you must honor the Lord. And now we're sort of in the horizontal commands, um, which, which stem from the vertical commands of how we honor the Lord. And so these are more spreading out socially, how we relate to those in society, parents, um, how we act in society, all of these sorts of things. And today is about honoring father and mother. I wonder if for you, it comes naturally to um, give honor to people, particularly people in places of authority. Would you say that it's, it's easy for you to show honor to people? I think Australia is, for the most part, quite an anti-authoritarian society. So at least in the scheme of the world, we tend to rebel and resist against authority figures a bit more than most other cultures do. Uh, I remember I used to work at the Department of Immigration many years ago. uh, And at the start of my career with immigration, I was in a client service role. So I would have clients coming in that would have questions about their visa from, they were in Australia, but they had come from all over the world. Or sometimes you would have other people asking on behalf of a, a friend or family member. And without a doubt, the most difficult clients I had were Australians or British citizens, typically from a Western world, asking on behalf of someone else. The most respectful clients I ever had were people from more the majority world, places like India, some South American countries, um, Bangladesh, uh, even some sort of African, like South African areas. they were genuine, uh, generally more respectful of the place of authority. So they, they saw that the immigration officer had a lot of power and they saw that they were in a place of authority. So they were very respectful. Whereas you would tend to get a lot of Australians coming in who really didn't care about any authority you had and demanded that you come through with their visa for their friend right now. And what are you doing? Are you guys even doing anything? What are you doing behind there? And this is kind of the, what we see in our society with uh, tall poppy syndrome. So you've probably heard of that before. In Australia, we, we have this tall poppy syndrome, like if a poppy uh, grows up above the rest, what you should do is chop it down so that it's equal with everyone else. And so that's why we generally don't appreciate politicians or people in places of authority um, as much as other people. We think that they should come down to our level and keep everyone at an equal level. And so we struggle to give honor to people in places of authority. And this passage is all about giving honor and respect to people in places of authority. So this is about the primary authority figures that we have in our lives from early on. That's our mother and father. 
God through Moses says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So honor here is about making someone look worthy. Like quite simply, making them look worthy of respect. You honor someone and when you do that, they look worthy. They are praiseworthy. It's actually the same word, honor, is the same word as to glorify. So in other areas in the Bible, you have this same word just saying glorify God. And here it's saying, in a way, glorify parents, not in the same sense that we glorify God, but show honor to them that would actually cause them to look worthy and respected. We've all seen how a disobedient child makes a parent look. If you've seen a a child who's just totally disobedient and it really makes the parent look quite bad and a little bit pathetic if the child is just completely disobedient to their parents' desires. Whereas to act in obedience and reverence and gratitude toward parents shows honor and causes them to look worthy of respect. So Martin Luther, 500 years ago, was talking about this very command, the great German monk. And he says on this command, on this command to honor father and mother, he says that they be held. So this means that parents be held in distinction and esteem above all things as the most precious treasure on earth. Furthermore, that also in our words, we observe modesty toward them. Do not accost them roughly, haughtily and defiantly, but yield to them and be silent, even though they go too far. Thirdly, that we show them such honor also by works, that is with our body and possessions, that we serve them, help them and provide for them when they are old, sick, infirm or poor. And all that not only gladly, but with humility and reverence as doing it before God. That's quite a high standard to live by. And Luther picks up on something very important in finishing there. He says, as doing it before God, the reality is in honoring parents, we are honoring God. We'll talk about that a bit more later. So the people here, the Israelites whom this command was given to are to honor their parents through their obedience to them, which will then cause the parents to be seen in an honorable or praiseworthy Light and their welfare and longevity in the land. So remember, this is in the context of the people being led into the promised land. And God is saying, your welfare and your longevity in this land will be dependent upon this command. So notice, he says, do this so that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I wonder if you see the logic of this. God is saying, be obedient to your parents and show honor to them and all things will go well with you. And the reason it will go well with you is because I have placed parents as the symbol of authority, the primary figures of authority in your lives. And when they walk in obedience to me and you then walk in obedience to them, all things will go well with you because I have commanded the parents to teach you my commands. So when you obey them, you will be in turn obeying me. In Deuteronomy 6, God says through Moses, these words that I command you today, everything that has been commanded so far shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Basically, just all the time be talking about it and diligently teach them to your children. So therefore, when children obey parents, they will be obeying the Lord because the parents will be teaching the children to obey the Lord. So when parents live out their God-given responsibilities and children live out their God-given responsibilities, things tend to go well. There are always exceptions to this. There are always exceptions like, you know, Job was upheld as a faithful man and and all of these terrible things happened to him. There's exceptions where even if you do teach your children well, they may not end up obedient. But for the most part, this is the reality and the pattern we see in Scripture where people live in accordance. Like it's good. God doesn't just arbitrarily give commands out to us. He gives them so that if we live by them, things will go well. That's what's good for us. He's a loving father. And this was to be taken very seriously in the community of Israel. So in Deuteronomy 21, just a few chapters later, under the old covenant, if there was a rebellious child in that community, like not just a rebellious child that sometimes they disobey, but there's at least some repentance and they come back. But if there's a rebellious child who is so far beyond their parents' discipline, who is just completely obstinate and is um, living a life of disobedience to his parents, then the parents were to take the child before the community and make this declaration and say, here is my child, he's disobedient, he's a drunkard. And then the people were to stone the child to death. Like, that's a very serious thing, isn't it? It should shock us. And God said, do this. You shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. There was to be a fear among the community with regard to disobeying parents. So safe to say this command, the family unit, is very important to God So why is giving honor to parents so important for God? I think there's two primary reasons. The first is that parents are a symbol of God-ordained authority. They are a symbol of God's authority. He has placed them there. So parents are just the primary authority figures we grow up with. That's, That's the reality. They act as a symbol of God's authority given his sovereign over parenthood. So we as Christians can't claim the beautiful promises of Psalm 139 like we, we all love to. And it's usually at every Christian um, woman's baby shower. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, which is a beautiful promise. But we can't claim that without then logically understanding that, OK, God also sovereignly ordains parents. He knows the parents you are going to have as children and still calls you to be obedient to those parents. God is sovereign over that. So in this sense, giving honor to parents is actually recognizing God's sovereignty over all things and his ordained places of authority. And Christians are to live joyfully obedient lives to God ordained authority. That's the reality. That's what we're called to do. So because parents are these symbols of authority, and this command is to be obedient to parents as symbols of authority, part of this command refers to the the larger reality of Christians just giving honor to all people in places of authority. 
That's part of the reality. And this is how this was taken for many years. And Paul, I think, understands this in Romans 13 when he is talking about how we should be submissive to governments. And in the Romans 13, in verses 7 and 8, he says, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honour to whom honour is owed. And right before this, he has just said, Be submissive to governments because God has placed them in that position of authority. Now, whether he actively does that by raising up a leader or a government or whether God just passively allows it to happen, but is still sovereign over that. Either way, God is in complete control of governments and then calls us to be obedient to governments. And so what Paul is doing in that sense is actually saying, don't live disobedient, rebellious lives. That's not the life of a a Christian. Live a life that shows honor to people in places of authority. And so live in obedience to the government, because in doing that, you're not actually trusting the government. You're trusting the God who is sovereign over the government. That's the point of it. We don't place our hope in Scott Morrison. We place our hope in Christ alone and trust that he is sovereign over every government. So we willingly submit to these places of authority insofar as they are consistent with the word of God. So wherever they command what is forbidden in scripture or where they forbid what is commanded in scripture, we obey God rather than men. But where it doesn't, kind of like wearing masks, I don't see a command in scripture to either wear or not wear masks. So when we're told to wear masks, well, that doesn't take away my Christian freedom because my Christian freedom goes a lot deeper than having to wear a mask. So I'm obedient to that, recognizing that God is sovereign over that. And Paul even takes this a step further to the Philippians when he says, consider, like he actually says in chapter two, count others more significant than yourselves. So count everyone as more significant than yourselves. It's kind of like it's not not really, but it's almost like Paul saying, have low self-esteem. Not not really. But actually think of others way more highly than yourselves. Have a humble posture. And therefore, we should be showing honor to everyone, actually. So coming back to this command to show honor to our parents, in a similar way as we are to be submissive to governments and show honor to them, recognizing that God is sovereign over that, we likewise show honor and live obedient lives to our parents because we recognize that they are symbols of God's authority. God is sovereign over that. So where our father and mother uh, instruct us in ways that do not contradict the word of God, we obey. And ultimately, this is a call. The call to show honor to parents is really the call to show honor to God since he has placed them there. So that's the first part of why it is important to God because they are symbols of God-ordained authority. They are symbols of his authority. The second aspect is that that, um, God cares about honoring father and mother because they are a reflection of his familial character. God is not some stoic, unrelational God. 
How does God reveal himself to the world? I wonder if you ever thought about this. Like, really, how does God reveal himself to the world? He reveals himself to the world in Jesus Christ, in the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus. So God chooses to reveal himself to everyone. Like when God says to the world, hey, I'm God, I'm here. It's when Jesus comes. It's when Jesus comes, he is the exact imprint of his nature. He is the image of the invisible God. In God the Son, God the Father has revealed himself. So therefore, how does God reveal himself? As a father. As a father giving his son for the sake of the world. That's how God reveals himself. God is a father who has eternally loved the son and in him sending Jesus, it is God the father saying, I want you to be in my family. Come and through my son, through the sacrifice of him for your sins, come and be part of my family. Come and be children before me, your father. So the honor that we as children have toward our parents is important to God because God is a father. This is primarily how we relate to God as children. The significance of the fifth command is because God is a parent. God is a parent and expects, therefore, his children to show honor to parents. And like I said before, after James's testimony, the apostle John gives this beautifully bold declaration when he talks about the salvation we, we have, and he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. See what kind of love the Father has to us that we should be called children of God. And this is why showing honor to parents is so important because the parent-child relationship is what we have with God. So we've covered the broad understanding of honoring parents. Honor is to make them worthy. Honor is to show them as praiseworthy. Honor is to actually live obedient lives that cause them to look worthy. And we've seen why this is important to God, specifically because they are symbols of God-ordained authority and because they reflect God's familial character. It's almost like this is preparing us for our relationship with God the Father. Our obedience, our honor of our parents is preparing us for our honor and obedience of God the Father. Now, how might this look? And I want to, for like super briefly, because um, I actually think there's a bigger principle that we take from this. And um, if or if you end up taking away from this two principles of how to honor parents as, as though it's just kind of do these two steps and everything will go well, then you probably miss the point because it's not exactly, it's not a step-by-step -step process. It's more of a posture that we have that wants to show honor. But to give concrete examples of this, let me give two principles of how we as adults still show honor to our parents, particularly in the setting that we're in. So, so I think all of us are actually not, no longer under our parents' roof. So we have come out and um, I think there's a different way that we show honor to parents um, when we're adults outside of their house rather than children or teenagers inside. So these two principles, I think, are, are contextual for us. 
The first is that we should take opportunities to clearly express our gratitude to them. So I'm not just talking about when something, um, when they do something, like my mum is here today and she babysits Eliora and I should say thank you every time that she babysits. But I'm not talking about something like that, like that's expected. You should be saying thank you. That's just, just general courtesy to say thank you. But I'm talking about taking opportunities to clearly express gratitude that's almost out of the blue, that actually makes it seem like you're, you're showing honor to them. So completely, you know, apart from that and just saying, hey, I'm actually really thankful for how you are always available whenever, whenever I need. And I just want you to know that. I want you to know. And, and it will be a bit awkward, I think. Like for my mum, like we, I grew up in a very loving household actually, but we, we were never, um, uh, we weren't exactly crying in each other's arms all the time. We, we held it together most of the time. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, a big thing, at least for me to actually, and I need to do this more often. And I just confess that I haven't done this well. I need to do this more often to actually say, I am really thankful for how you, you know, loved me growing up. Like my parents spent ridiculous amounts of money on my sport and, and I never appreciated as a child, but now with a young daughter spending $5 on a toy, I'm thinking, oof, do we need that? And then I'm, you know, I'm thinking back of just the amount of money they spent on me traveling across Australia and the world playing sport. and. I'm very thankful for that. And so I think for you, there may be other areas of your life that you reflect and it would be uh, wise in order to walk in obedience to this command and take the principle to actually take a separate moment in that relationship and say, hey, mom or dad, I'm really thankful for how you have done this for me. And I think that actually shows them, because if you say thank you every time immediately after something happens, then it's not exactly strong enough to show honor to them. It's just something that's expected. Do something that is not expected. Take a moment to intentionally thank them, show your gratitude, and in that way you will show honor to them. Secondly, invite them into your life even when you don't need them. The pattern of most Australian children, once they get out of the house, is typically not all the case, like you could be different, praise God if you are, but typically you really forget about your parents until you need them. Whether for company or money or something else, you typically just sort of forget about your parents until you need them. You need that dose of family, so you go back, but when they are actually needing you, you're pretty distant or you need money, whatever it is, we're kind of relishing the opportunity to be out from under their roof. And so we no longer actually invite them in to our lives. And really simply think about whether it honors someone. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of this. Think about whether it honors someone if you only ever communicate with them when they need you or when you need them, sorry or if you've been on the receiving end, how does it make you feel when someone only ever contacts you and you know they need something? And they always go through that superficial, like how are you going? And you can just tell there's something they wanna ask and you just kinda of like, just get to it. What do you wanna ask me? That doesn't, that doesn't cause anyone to seem praiseworthy or worthy of, of honor, 
So I think a way that we can show honor is by uh, inviting our parents into our lives because they are extremely significant people in our lives. They're in places of authority. And the way we can honor them, particularly in our setting, is by inviting them in simply for the sake of having them in, simply for the sake of them being here showing you are worthy like it really something I I say to a lot of people I always want people to show up on time to things and the reason I do that is because it it shows honor to the person like if you um, have a meeting with someone and you don't show up on time it doesn't really show them as honorable does it Whereas if you have someone like a big boss and you, you know, have an important meeting with them, of course you're going to show up on time. You're going to show honor to them in that way. In a similar way to our parents, a way that we can show honor to them is by actually showing up for them in that sense, inviting them in, inviting them into our lives. Those are just two basic principles, but the bigger, the bigger principle for this is that there is no single way to honor parents. Like that's the bigger principle. There's no single way, but this is more about a posture that we have. And Lewis Smedes writing about 20 years ago says this better than I could. So I'll just quote from Lewis Smedes. He says, there is no single way to honor parents. There are a thousand ways to dishonor them. Within the conflicts of faith, lifestyle, and duty, honor will have to be improvised out of the creative resources of imagination and discernment. Each family will have to find its way to live honorably with its old generation, and each society must find ways to make it possible for all to keep their parents in honorable circumstances. For the people that loses its will to honor its aged eventually loses its humanity." I wonder if you caught a few things. There's, there's no single way to honor parents. And there's also a thousand ways to dishonor them. But what is important is that we have a posture that seeks to honor people, that actually looks to honor people. And parents of all people are to be kept in honorable positions. And he says, for the people that loses its will to honor its age eventually loses its humanity. With so much of our Christian life, the, the, the bigger point of this is about an ongoing posture that we strive to have rather than specific rules that we just tick off. Now, I just want to finish um, by referring to two, two areas. Um, some questions that usually come up with regard to honoring parents is what about those who may have had broken familial relationships or, or even abusive parents? And the first thing that I would just say on, on the idea of broken family relationships or even um, in a similar way to as James so helpfully shared in his testimony, when we think about whether we haven't had a father or mother or a parent that um, we naturally think is worthy of honor, The beautiful thing about God revealing himself to us as father is that we always base our understanding of what a father is and what family is based on his revelation. So we don't base our understanding of what a father is 
on our lived experience here in this broken world. We base our experience of what a father is based on the revelation of God in Jesus Christ, based on uh, our loving heavenly father who would love so much to give up his own son for us, to bring us in. So God is the measure of what true parenthood is. But what about when our lived experience is so far from that? Like what about when our lived experience is that we've actually had abusive parents? Unfortunately, there are many examples of abusive parents who have subjected children to horrible acts of abuse, sometimes even using biblical passages on obedience to parents to to justify the child's submission to their abuse. This is a very unfortunate reality that we have had. And to be clear... Honouring father and mother never means accepting abuse. So honouring father and mother never means accepting abuse. Just like in the marriage relationship and passages on male headship never means accepting uh, abuse within that marriage. So our allegiance is always to our loving father who has prescribed what a loving parent is to be. So where parents command what is forbidden or forbid what is commanded, then we disobey them in order to obey God. Just like the apostles said before the Sanhedrin, for us, we've got to obey God rather than men. Jennifer Greenberg is a, a Christian writer from the United States and she writes on this and she talks about how she uh, struggled with an abusive father who actually acted like um, a faithful Christian in public, was part of a church, a leader, even a leader in that church, and uh, in private would beat and threaten to kill his family numerous times, would actually say to them, uh, if you tell anyone about this or if you try to leave, then I will kill you. And so she describes what this was like. She says, forgive, quote unquote, forgive meant pretend you're happy even when you're covered in bruises. Honor your father, quote unquote, meant obey him even when you're terrified he might kill you. And we were repeatedly warned not to gossip, which meant not telling anyone the truth. And she learned how to still honor her father without for a moment accepting abusive behaviors. So this is naturally an extremely difficult place to be in. When you are in a family, and thankfully I have have not experienced anything like that, so I can't imagine what it would be like, but to be in a family where you are actually fearful of your life if you disobey your father, and she through the grace of God, managed to find healing. And she learned how to honor her father without for a moment accepting abusive behavior. So she says, in the spirit of the law, I honored my father by refusing to succumb to the damage his sin inflicted. I honored my father by reporting his abuses I honored my father by breaking the cycle and being a godly parent to my children. 
So in these scenarios, we honor abusive parents by upholding the godly requirements of all people and not allowing sin and wickedness to reign wherever is possible. We honor by actually remo- we honor them by removing ourselves from that situation and making sure it is known to them that it's totally inappropriate and they will fall under God's judgment and the judgment of our law and legal system. Now, let me finish with showing how Christ restores and reframes family relationships. See, often our issues with parents come because we're either looking at parents to be these perfect savior figures. And so we consistently feel let down or we look at their flaws and we see them as failures. But we never look to anyone else, family or otherwise, as a saviour figure or someone beyond redemption. And Christ provides the answer to both of these issues. If you've looked at your parents as saviour figures and so have been let down, or if you're totally on the other end of the spectrum and you just write them off as failures, Christ holds the answer to this. And the first reason is because obviously he is our saviour. So we don't look to anyone friends, family, pastors as saviors. How relieving that is. We don't look to anyone else as a savior figure. Christ alone is. And that frees us to bear with other people's failures and still show them honor because we're not dependent upon that person to fill some savior void in our lives. We're not dependent upon them. We look to Christ as the one who satisfies our every need. Our every familial need is found satisfied in our reconciliation with our father through Jesus. And the second way Christ solves this for us is because in the gospel, he shows us that we are all broken failures. All of us are broken failures. Looking to Christ stops us from condemning our parents as utter failures because the gospel reminds us that we are all failures. The gospel is the great leveler of humanity that shows us that there is no superiority or inferiority Under the gospel, no more Jew, no more Gentile, no male, no female, no slave or free, but all are one in Jesus Christ. The cross keeps us humble when we look to other people's failures, since it was our failure, and we have to own that as part of our repentance. It was our failure that held Jesus to the cross. So we rightly honor our parents when we realize Our deep familial need is ultimately satisfied in Jesus when we are restored to a right relationship with our Father as children of God. So we don't look to them as saviour figures. And in Jesus, we're reminded that we are all broken. We are saved through the grace of God alone and left to our own devices. We fall well short of God's glorious standards. Jesus restores the family unit. That's the key. Jesus restores the family unit and we show honor to our parents because in him, in the reconciliation that we have with the Father in Jesus Christ, 
we see how Jesus restores us to our ultimate parent relationship. That was what we were always created for, was to be reconciled to our Father, every single person. That's the parent-child relationship that we need. And in our understanding of that, we will be free to honor our parents in a loving way. It frees us to honor our parents without placing an impossible burden upon them to be our saviors or dismissing them as failures. And so a right posture of showing honor to parents and others in authority will come from looking to Christ and his own humble submission to authority and constant honor of his father. And so what I want to do now, just as we take the Lord's Supper, this is something we do every week um, for those who have Uh, professed Christ and who are following him to take part joyfully in this meal that Christians have been celebrating for thousands of years, where we take the bread symbolic of Christ's body and the juice symbolic of the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of sins, the blood of the new covenant. And as we look to this meal and just prepare our hearts to take it, we see the perfect model of honor toward a parent in Jesus. In the passage that Andrew read out earlier in Matthew 26, we see the perfect model of what honor looks like to a parent in Jesus in Gethsemane. And so in that moment where Jesus is starting to feel God's wrath, the impending wrath about to be poured out upon him. And he's with his disciples. He knows the cross is imminent. And because Jesus was fully human, he felt the anxiety of that. So much so that Luke records he sweat great drips of blood in that moment. And as Jesus is praying before he knows he's about to be delivered over and he's just asking his disciples, his closest friends, his brothers to just pray with him and even they can't do it. And so he says, can't you just at least pray just for an hour, be watchful. And in that moment, he is going off on his own to the Father, praying, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass, yet not as I will, but your will be done. And he's there with his face in the dirt. He falls down to the ground with his face in the dirt. And in that moment, realizing that God's wrath was about to be poured out upon him, that for a moment he was to be forsaken by the Father so that we would never be forsaken to bring us in. And in that moment, Jesus showed total honor to the Father, perfect submission to Him, perfect obedience to the Father's will. And so we see the perfect place of honor. And it is in our reconciliation through that Savior, through Jesus, that we then have the opportunity to live out a life of honor and obedience, knowing that we do it because we have seen it modeled in our Savior. We have seen it modeled in His commitment to the Father's will.